Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want us to, I'm going to do a study tonight on the key to restoring God's divine order. And in this study, I want to share some things with you that will help us all understand how God's divine order of living and walking by faith was severed and reversed by the disobedience of Adam. As a result of this breakdown, Breakdown, I mean the, the severing of the relationship and the presence of God from Adam and Eve. As a result of this breakdown, mankind, since the fall, have adapted to walking by the dictates and the natural appetites of the flesh rather than walking by faith in God's spoken word. And let me begin the study with Jesus' words taken from Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. Jesus is speaking, and he says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. In this particular verse, Jesus is revealing to us the power and the principle of believing. He said that whatever things we ask in prayer, believing we will receive. Please notice that he did not place any limits on our asking. The limits are always placed on the measure of our believing. And the Lord confirms this by his word once again, that he had spoken to the two blind men, if you recall, who followed him from afar, crying out for mercy. And when Jesus asked them what did he want to do for them, the two blind men said, Lord, that we may receive our sight. And Jesus answering them said, according to your faith, let it be to you. And of course, he laid his hands on them and they were healed because they believed. Jesus also said in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, that all things are possible to him who believes. Not just some things, but all things. Here again, he does not place any limitations, but he says all things are possible to him who believes. Believing, therefore, is such an important part of our Christian life, especially when we are dealing with God, with God's word, with God's promises, with God's character. The Bible says that he who comes to God must believe. In other words, we cannot even approach God without believing. 
believing that he is who he says he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Believing, therefore, in God is much more than seeing or feeling. And many are still trying to feel the way into God's presence. They're looking for some kind of feeling or emotion in order to base their confidence on. If I feel something, then God is here, God is answering my prayers. But if I don't feel anything, then uh, God has departed from me, or the presence of God is far from me, and I feel so far away from God. And the reason many believe this way is because they base the confidence on how they feel on the physical senses rather than basing the faith and confidence on the Word of God and the promises of God. Let me also mention that faith is also much more than reasoning. It goes much further than our intellect, much deeper than our physical senses, simply because faith or believing is of the spirit and not of the flesh. I want to say that again because that's very important. Faith and believing is a product of the spirit and not of the flesh or our physical senses. You can't work faith up with your feelings. Faith comes, the Bible says, by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God is primarily spiritual. So spiritual things, according to the Word of God, are on a much higher level or plain than physical things. Faith in God's Word takes us into the spiritual realm beyond the veil of the flesh. It takes us into spiritual realities that cannot be perceived nor understood by our physical senses or by the natural mind. And it gives us spiritual understanding how the blessings and the promises of God can be appropriated and experienced in the here and the now. That's what faith does. And this is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. To walk by faith on what the Word of God reveals to us through the Spirit and not by what our physical senses inform us. Now, in helping us understand how we have substituted faith for our physical senses and have reversed the divine order of God, I need to take you back to the beginning of creation so that we may fully understand what we're talking about. As we all know, according to Genesis chapter 1, God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. And just like the Creator, man is a spiritual being. We need to digest this fact. We are primarily spirit beings. And God also, the Bible says, formed a body 
from the dust of the earth and placed the spiritual man in the physical body so that he could live and function in this physical world he created for him. Adam lived and functioned in three dimensions at the same time, the spiritual, the intellectual, and the natural. With his spirit, he communicated perfectly with God and contacted the world of the spirit. With his mind, the intellectual world. And with his body, he was able to function in this physical, natural world. Because man is a spirit being, he has a soul, and he lives in a physical body. The body gives us the authority to function and to live on this earth. Without a body, we have to get out of here. That's why when the body dies, we cannot remain here. And if we are uh, in born again, uh, recreated in Christ Jesus, then straight away we are in the presence of the Lord when our body dies. Now, Adam's source of life came from God through the Spirit. All the wisdom he needed to subdue the earth and take care of all that God placed in his care came from God through the channel of faith. Faith gave him access into the spiritual realm and, of course, into God's almighty ability that enabled him to receive all things from God, who, of course, was his source of supply. Whatever he needed, God supplied for him. Prior to the fall, Adam walked by faith and had perfect fellowship with God in the Spirit. Faith to Adam was more real than anything else. I say that because God is a spirit, and therefore he could only walk and communicate with God in the spirit, because God is not a physical being. By faith, Adam, he named every animal and creeping thing, the Bible says. He named every plant and every tree, including every living thing, both in the sea and on the land. You see, God's presence and glory empowered his spirit, refreshed his soul, and energized his physical body. That's why he lived, even after he died spiritually, the devil took about eight, nine hundred years to kill him or to put him to death physically. Because man knew only how to live. Adam did not know how to die. Death was not present at that time prior uh, to the fall. But when the fall came through Adam's disobedience, the Bible says that the law of sin and death was released into the earth through Adam and everything from that point on was reversed. God's divine order was severed. The life that was in Adam became death the faith that he lived by became fear, 
and the light of God, which illuminated his mind, became darkness. So you see now here, he, he could no longer walk by faith, but according to the dictates of his body. So the physical body with the five physical senses became the dominant force in Adam's life. Not only that, but his physical senses became the instructors, or you could say the educators of his darkened mind or darkened soul. In other words, everything was turned upside down. Not only the order of information was reversed from faith to sight and from the spirit to the flesh, but also the roles of Adam and Eve were reversed. The Bible says, and I want you to take note of this, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Verse 6 says, She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, let me take a side journey here, which will help us understand better the different roles of male and female. When she took of the tree, and gave to her husband, she reversed their roles. The divine order of God is for man to give to the woman and not for the woman giving to the men. The man is the giver and the wife is the receiver. And also, perfect picture of Christ, when Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, I speak, when he spoke of husband and wives, I speak of Christ and the church. The same with Christ and the church. Christ gives and the church receives. Uh, forgive me for giving this example, but uh, I, I need to clarify what I'm saying. For example, the man gives sperm to the woman and the woman gives him a child. The man gives the woman a house and she gives him a home. The man gives the woman groceries and she gives him a meal. And there is much more I want to say on this matter, but I, I will leave it for another time. So, ever since the fall, the only means of information and education for mankind was the body with its five physical senses. The soul was corrupted. Because the void, the presence of God left when he departed, was filled with death, with darkness and fear. And without the Spirit of God, the soul, that is the mind, the will and the emotions, could only rely on the five physical senses for information. And this resulted, of course, in men walking by sight and by feeling and no longer by faith. Now, let's come to the new creation. When a person is born again and receives the Spirit of God, he becomes a new creation in Christ according to 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5, verse 17, that says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is back in fellowship with God through the Spirit, and God calls that born-again person to live and walk by the Spirit and no longer by the dictates or the natural appetites of his flesh. But in order for that to become a reality in his life, he needs to take responsibility for his mind. Now listen carefully. He needs to take responsibility for his mind, his thoughts, as well as for his body, and bring them into alignment with his recreated, born-again spirit, who is in touch and in communication with God the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has come to live in our spirit, not in our soul, not in our body, but in our spirit. And the Bible says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So he needs to take responsibility and authority over the mind and over the body and bring them, this new creation, bring them into alignment and perfect harmony with his recreated born-again spirit. I say that because the mind and the body have not been affected by the new birth. When you got born again, you still have that same old mind, the same old thoughts, as well as the same old body. You look at the mirror, you look the same, but you're not the same. Your body is the same. Your spirit has been made new. The only part of us that's been made new in the new birth is our spirit. And praise God for that. Now, Paul writing to the believers in Rome, he explains the process of this transformation that I'm talking about, meaning bringing your mind and your body in alignment with your spirit. He says the following in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be confirmed to, con conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We, the born-again person, that is the spiritual person within, must present our bodies to God, and we must renew our minds by educating them according to the Word of God. Our source of information or education should no longer be our body, but our spirit man who is educated by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The soul, which of course is the intellect, the will, and the emotions need to be educated or reprogrammed call it whatever you will, by the Word of God as revealed to us by the Spirit of God 
who indwells us. Now, as the soul is restored or renewed or educated to its original condition, it will side with our born-again spirit, and the two of them will subdue and train the body to obey the dictates of the spirit. You see, it's two against one now, the soul and the spirit. Perfect agreement, perfect harmony, perfect alignment will subdue and train the body to obey the dictates of the recreated born-again spirit. Now, Paul explains this when he says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Very important words here that we need to study and meditate. Notice, please, the I in Paul's sentence. The I he is referring to is the new man, the spiritual man, the born-again man on the inside. I, he says, discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection. Please note, God is not going to do anything with our body. And he's not going to do anything with our mind because he has given us the responsibility to do something with him. He has given us the tools. He has given us the word of God. He has given us the spirit of God. He has given us the gifts of the spirit so that we may educate the mind or, or renew the mind and bring the body in subjection to the dictates of our inward man. So the new man on the inside must take the responsibility to renew or restore the soul and subdue the flesh so that we no longer walk according to the dictates of the flesh, but according to the dictates of the spirit. Now, I say all this to explain this or to say this. Unless we go through this process, we will never be able to walk by faith. You may ask, well, what do I do with my flesh and its physical senses when they contradict the, the word of God, the will of God, and oppose me in my faith? I want to believe, but then... I see these emotions, these feelings rise up and they contradict what I'm believing or what I see. It's contradicting what the Word of God says I have. The Word of God says I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus, but my body tells me I am sick. I'm not healed. What do I do then with all these emotions and feelings? What do I do with what I see? How do I deal with it? Good question, and I'm glad you asked that. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 tells us what to do with it. If you look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says, And those who are Christ's, and I believe all of us, are in Christ Jesus, are we not? If we're born again, then we are in Christ. 
So he's talking to you and me. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Who did the crucifixion? Not God. We did. We deny the flesh. To crucify means to put to death. Or another word is to silence them. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. You see, we have the ability now. We have the power, which we didn't have before we got born again. And Romans chapter 8, verse 13 confirms this. Paul says, writing by the Spirit of God, he says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the desires of the body, the dictates of the body, you will live. That means spiritually. And this is what Paul meant when he said, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So you see, it's a matter of training our body to obey, to submit to the dictates or the promptings of the Spirit of God and our spirit within. In other words, being led and governed by the spirit within and not by the flesh on the outside. And that is where the constant battle is. The flesh and the spirit war against each other, Galatians says. Now, if we allow the flesh to govern us or to dictate to us and we submit to the desires, the dictates of the body, because the body, remember, is not born again, is not renewed. It want to do the things that it used to do before you got born again. Now, if we allow the flesh or the body to govern us, Scripture says we will die, that is spiritually. But if we allow the Spirit to rise up within us and govern us, we shall live, live that is spiritually, in the presence of God. So the spirit and the flesh, as I mentioned, they are in constant battle in gaining the ascendancy over the soul. The soul is in the middle. The body is outward. The spirit is inward. The soul is between the body and the spirit. Now, the one whom the soul sides with will ultimately win the battle. And that is why it is so important for us. Every born-again believer has a responsibility and has uh, an important task given to us from God. And that is to renew or to educate the mind according to the Word of God. In other words, to think in line with God's thoughts, God's will, and God's Word so that it can side with our spirit who is already born again and made new and not with our flesh. When we were in the world, the Bible says the flesh or the physical senses were the educators, the dictators, and the instructors of our soul, which includes the emotions, the intellect, and the will. And for years... 
from an early age. Our soul was taught and trained and educated by our flesh. If it feels good, do it. If it looks good and gives you pleasure, give yourself altogether to it. That's how the world lives. Amen. Are you listening to me? <clears throat> That's when, when we were in the world. According to the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says we were following the dictates of our flesh, our unrenewed mind, as the children of disobedience. <clears throat> that was our past. And that's what Eve did. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Bible says in the verses that we read, so when the woman saw, saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. <clears throat> you see, the serpent appealed to her physical senses. And his tactics haven't changed. He still appeals to our natural appetites. We don't have to give in to them anymore. Praise God. But we can rise up in the power of the Spirit and according to the Word of God, silence them, put them to death. And that's what Paul meant when he said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, Christ and his obedience to the Father released an entire new law in the universe, and that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which supersedes, it is a much higher law, than the law of sin and death. And that's what Paul meant when he said in Romans 8 verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, Paul calls also baby Christians carnal. Or carnal means fleshly. Because they are still governed by the physical senses. And I say this, Born-again believers, it doesn't matter how long you've been born again. You can be born again for 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. If you don't do something with your mind, you're still going to be carnal. You're still going to walk according to the dictates of your flesh. The key is to have the mind reprogrammed, educated, renewed with spiritual understanding, not just natural understanding. And Paul says, the, the, the carnal believer is, another translation says, is governed by the physical senses or is body ruled rather than governed by the spirit. The reason being is because they have not learned yet how to appropriate the law of the spirit of life within uh, and crucify the flesh. And Paul writes again to the Corinthians and he rebukes them for their ignorance. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says to them, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
God is not far away from you. He's not up there. Uh, you know, some people shout so much when they pray, they think God is deaf. <laughs> but God lives within us. He can hear the most silent whisper of your heart. Never mind, your lips may not move, but your heart could be praying. And God hears that, and God knows that. Why? Because he lives within your heart, within your spirit. And Paul says to them, don't you know? Don't you know that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? And he, he, he asks the same question twice in the same epistle. In chapter 6, he writes the same thing and he says to them in verse 19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? In other words, he's saying to them, Hey, God is alive within you. Receive your education. Receive your instructions from the Spirit of God, from God who lives and dwells in you and not from your flesh. Don't you know that you have God living in you by the Spirit? That's what he was asking them. That's a question mark. He was rebuking them for their ignorance. David in Psalm 23 explains the process again we have been speaking about. The restoration of the soul or the transformation or the renewing of the mind. We are still speaking about the same thing. In Psalm 23 verses 1 through 3 he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. Now listen to verse 2 carefully. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Please notice the order of David's words. He restores my soul, then he leads me in the paths of righteousness. So the restoration of the soul or the renewing of the mind and the healing of the emotions comes first before the believer is led and guided by faith through the Spirit in the paths of righteousness. Believing the Word of God, walking in the paths of righteousness, is the most natural thing for a renewed mind to do because the soul is restored, is renewed, and no longer argues with you anymore. You know, the unrenewed mind will argue with you. God will tell you to do something, and your mind, your if it's unrenewed, will rise up and really shout and make noise and tell you that's foolishness, no one does that anymore, and all of those things. You see, and once the mind's starting to argue and you side with your mind rather than what, what God's word says, then you've had it. You're not going to be obedient and you're not going to walk in the paths of righteousness. You're not going to walk by faith, but you're going to walk by what your unrenewed mind tells you. You see, that's why it's important for the mind, the soul to be restored, to be renewed, so that it does not argue with you anymore, that is, with your spirit. 
Your soul and your spirit are in perfect agreement and harmony and walking together. And the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So we have to bring our mind in agreement with the spirit and not with the flesh. In verse 2, David says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. That's how he renews, restores our soul. The green pastures represent the word of God, the ministry of the word, the teaching of the word, and the still waters represent the Holy Spirit. By the word and the leading of the Spirit, my shepherd restores my soul. And I believe that the one single reason why we struggle so much to believe the Word of God is because our soul has not gone through the process of restoration fully. Furthermore, we can confirm this statement by what John the Apostle wrote in his epistle. He writes in his third epistle, in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says the following, Beloved, writing to the believers, to Christians, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Notice those words, even as thy soul prospers. You see, John is a well-seasoned apostle by this time, who is now in his old age. He's not some novice, but someone who has been around, who has walked with the Lord Jesus, has been around for a long time, and has learned a few things. And he expresses his heart's desire for the church and says, above all things, I wish you prosperity and good health even as your soul prospers. In other words, the prosperity and health of the believer is dependent upon the prosperity of his soul. So when we speak of the prosperity of the soul, we are speaking about the renewing of the mind, the restoration and healing of our emotions. So we draw this conclusion from John's epistle. To the degree our soul prospers will be the degree our life will prosper. If the soul is not restored to its original condition, there can be no prosperity in any other area of life. The most spiritual, the most helpful, the most beneficial thing we can do for someone is to help them, to educate them or educate them in the area of restoring the soul. The rest will follow. If we help them to restore the soul, they will not need our help anymore. They will be 
depending upon God. They will flow in the Spirit. They will walk by faith. They will experience the promises of God. And they will be made tangible in their lives. They will prosper financially. They will prosper spiritually, mentally, uh, socially, relationally. Every area of their lives will prosper because their soul has been restored. Again and again, the scriptures confirm the truth, the key that I am sharing with you today to restore God's divine order and to walk by faith and not by sight or feelings. James also confirms this in different words. They say the same thing, but different words. In James chapter 1 and verse 21, we read, James is speaking to Christians again, and he says, not to sinners or unbelievers. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Sometimes we wrongly say, well, so many souls were saved the other night when we gave the altar call, meaning that sinners repented and they, re and they got born again. No, it's not souls being saved. It's, it's spirits. They were saved. Their spirit was born again. But the soul has not been touched yet at the new birth. Your spirit can be born again, or you can be born again in a few minutes. But the restoration of the soul takes months and years to be fully restored to its original condition, where we think the thoughts of God where our will is, is so united and in harmony with the Father's will, our emotions are restored and they are in tune with our soul, the restored soul and the spirit. So the word saved also means in the Greek restored or renewed to its original condition. You see, our spirit does not need saving, but our soul does. Are you with me? Our soul does. Therefore, receiving the word of God with meekness and obeying it, it brings restoration to our soul so that it can become the bridge between the spiritual and the natural world. And wisdom can flow from your spirit to your mind and executed through your physical body in this physical world. The spirit now, with a restored soul and the born-again spirit, becomes the dominant force in the life of the born-again believer, and through the restored soul, he governs the body and trains it to follow the dictates of the spirit. So the divine order now has been restored. That which was turned upside down is being returned back to its original order because that was the order of God when he created Adam. And this is what I meant when I said earlier that the disobedience of our forefathers reversed the divine order of God and the tail became the head and the head became the tail. Now, 
thank God, through the recreated human spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, together with the restored soul, we reverse the law of sin and death and bring back God's divine order. And once we fully understand this, by revelation of the Spirit, the process by which we are called to do that, believing the Word of God becomes the most natural thing for believers to do, because we are believers. It takes the limits off of our believing, because the mind is aligned and renewed with our born-again spirit. And remember this, the Bible says we are believers by the divine nature that God imparted to us when we got born again, when we received the new birth. Let us therefore learn, train ourselves to walk by the dictates of that divine nature and not by the dictates of our flesh. Amen. I trust that you've received something beneficial tonight and you understand the, 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 the right order, the divine order of God. The born-again spirit, the born-again man was created by God, recreated to walk by faith and not by sight. To walk by faith in God's word and not by feelings or emotions. Praise the Lord. So let's close in prayer. Father, I pray that as I shared this word tonight, your spirit will make it life and light to every single one of us. Your word declares that the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So I pray that you will illuminate our minds through the word that was ministered tonight that you will breathe upon the words that I have spoken from your precious word, that you would give life to those words so that they may be activated and go to work, renewing and restoring our soul and bringing our soul and our body in perfect alignment with our born-again recreated spirit. Father, we are spirit beings. We have a soul. And we live in this physical body, which gives us the right and the authority to work and to live in this physical planet that you created. Thank you for the body. Thank you for the mind. But most of all, we thank you that you have recreated us and made us new creations in Christ Jesus. Teach us, therefore, how to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.